you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight. Thank y'all for being here tonight. My prayer is that you come out of tonight blessed, exhorted from the Word of God, but hopefully convicted and challenged. I want to ask you a question. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. We're going to start in verse 29 through 32. That's where we're going to be tonight. For my eighth graders in the room, real quick, I want to ask, I know that most, I I would discourage, if you're in sixth grade or even seventh grade, I would normally discourage having a cell phone, if you do, I'm not mad at you by any means, but I'm just saying, if I'm talking to a parent, I normally would discourage having a phone, because I just think there's just a lot of dangers out there on the the phones, and they can just create a lot of um, traps for a student who's walking through their middle school years. I want to ask if there's an 8th grader in the room. Is there any 8th grader here who would be willing to give me um, access to open your phone right now and to go through and read your text messages, read your group text, to check out your Snapchats, to see what pops up on your For You page on your TikTok? Huh? Wow, good for you guys. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. Who would? Seriously. Who would let me go through your entire feed, your group texts, the deleted photos? Who would let me go through it? Listen up. Tonight I want to tackle two things for you guys. I want to walk through in the Bible, which is the authority for our life. There's two big truths. I want to challenge you from what the Bible says to choose to have godly speech and to choose to be a godly friend. Those are the two things we're going to look at tonight. And the reason I ask about your phone, because normally when I say godly speech, you would think about what I'm talking about right next to someone. Like that's how I would think about speech. But the reality is, is that your generation uses the word speech to mean express themselves, which typically happens through texting, socials, Photos, posts, DMs, all that kind of stuff is how you communicate and express yourself or dialogue with people. And to be honest, this is a little bit uncharted territory for the rest of the generations before you because the majority of this generation, whether you have a phone or not, a lot of your generation, whether you go to school with people, they use their phone to communicate more than they do actually verbally. So I include the phone side because it fits right into this conversation that we're having tonight about godly speech. Does that make sense? So let's walk through Ephesians chapter 4. Let's see what the Bible has to say about it. So let's start with Ephesians 4 verse 29. Can we pull that up on the screen for us? Perfect. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good 
but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which means just kind of like confusion and frustration and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, which is ultimately kind of the end all of bitterness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I told you the first thing we're going to talk about tonight is what we get straight from the text. It is choose to have godly speech. Choose to have godly speech. I get this from the very first verse of Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Corrupting talk means unwholesome, polluted, trash come out of your mouth. So the first thing under uh, choosing to have a godly speech is this. Godly speech is wholesome. Godly speech is right. It is true. It is just. It is good. That is what we're looking at here. So what is unwholesome? What is corrupting speech? It would be lying. It would be gossip. It would be slander. Verbal abuse. Cussing, my goodness, I'm so tired of hearing about Christians who cuss. I'm so over it, man. It's cool when you leave church to just drop a cuss word on a Monday through Friday. Is that cool? Like, I don't get it. Harmful words, hateful text, inappropriate photos are all examples of unwholesome words ungodly speech. If I were to read some of our text feeds of the Christians, I wouldn't know if they're actually Christian or if they're of the world. You know where it begins? It begins with the heart because what things come out of your mouth are ultimately in the heart of the person, correct? And what happens is you may come into middle school You may come into middle school and you are booming. Life is good. You're innocent and pure. And your your words that come out of your mouth are innocent and pure as well because your heart is pure. But along the way, you're walking through and you pop up on the text feed and you're in a group text with a bunch of your friends and they're walking through all this stuff. They're talking about things that are so inappropriate. They're making jokes that you shouldn't be laughing at. And what happens is, is while you're in the middle of dealing with all that stuff, your heart is being exposed to things that are wrong. And what happens is your heart is being polluted by the things of the world. Thank you very much. Can you hold that for me, please? And what happens is you, you keep going. You keep going by church. You go to the next spot and you're walking through it. And next thing you know, you're hanging out with friends and they're talking about things that are very inappropriate that you would never talk about with your family. Or maybe you are on, I don't want to say, I hate this app. 
and don't get mad at me if I say it, but I'm talking about TikTok. If you were to get on there and it starts to just go through 30 minutes of this feed and next thing you know, you're seeing things that you would never search, you would never look up, you would never go looking for or watch in your own time, but TikTok has decided to put it in front of you. And what has happened now is you have exposed your hearts to this. Thank you. Can you hold that real quick for me? You've exposed your heart to something else more wicked and more vile. And next thing you know, your heart is being exposed and jacked up even more because you're allowing the world to have its influence in it. And then you know what happens? You go hang out with your friends and what comes out of the well is disgusting, horrible, unwholesome speech. And you give it to the people around you and you act like they should just accept it and receive it like it's no big deal. Why? Why have we compromised? You want to fix the unwholesome speech in your life? You want to have godly speech again? It begins with asking God like David did in Psalm 51. God, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. And then you've got to choose to stop putting the junk inside your heart so that what you pull out, when you choose to pull from your well, it is godly, wholesome, right, true, good speech. Good words. Does that make sense? Godly speech is wholesome. Second thing, godly speech is good for building up. It is good for building up. If you're taking notes, write this bad boy down. We got to keep moving. Godly speech is good for building up. I get this from the same verse, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. And what that means is your words, your speech, your communication ought to build people up. You should be looking to encourage people. You should spend your life walking around with your friends, looking for who you can build them up. You should live like a construction worker with your words. How can I prepare? How can I invest? How can I boost? How can I improve the people around me? The problem is God's called you to be a construction worker with your words, but too many students who claim to be Christians walk around like wrecking balls looking to demolish the people around them, not build them up. What? Just look through the text feeds. Look through the group text. Look through the photos. People have been called to be builders, but you walk around like a bully. Do you not realize your words have great power? The biggest lie of my generation was sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never. Dude, biggest lie. It's the biggest lie. I remember in sixth grade, I was tiny. I mean, I was so tiny. There's some people in this room now that are, they are insecure because they are shorter than their peers around them. I want you to know, that was me in sixth grade. I was that person. Look at me. No, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. It was me. And I remember in sixth grade when 
the bully at my school, the guy who was the, the cool kid by everyone else, grabbed me with his buddies and went into the bathroom in sixth grade and he made fun of me. He was kind of like manhandling my chest a little bit with me back and forth. And I remember him just dogging me. He ends up leaving the bathroom. I'm in there by myself, looking in the mirror and I'm thinking to myself, I am less than everyone else in my school. And for the next year, when I went to school, what Trent did in a flippant moment, he didn't even know the effect he had, ruined my first year of middle school. I was so insecure. I was so embarrassed. I walked on school and I thought I was a loser because of what Trent did. Do you not realize your words? They have power. They can burn people or they can build people up. How are you going to use them? How? You can say one thing and it'll stick with someone for years. You can tell someone, I think you are overweight. I think you're fat. I think you're small. I think you're a loser. I think you're dumb. And it will stick with them forever. Don't hang on to it because you said it. Your words have power. So use them to build people up. Quit tearing people down. This is the church. Where else are people going to be built up if it's not from you guys? Please, especially my eighth graders here, please build people up. Stop tearing people down. The Lord has called you to be a builder, an encourager, to invest and to build people up around you. Stop being a bully, bulldozing people around you. The third thing is not just godly speech not just that godly speech is wholesome or that godly speech is used for building up, but godly speech is timely. Godly speech is timely. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building those up as fits the occasion. I will ask you a simple question. Who needs you to have godly speech in their life right now? Who needs you. Who needs Adelaide Falbacher right here? Who needs Adelaide Falbacher to have godly speech right now in her group? Aiden, who needs godly speech from you right now? I could go through the whole room, everyone from front to back. Who needs you to have godly speech right now? It, is it the person who you see sitting in the school or classroom or cafeteria all by themselves without anyone to talk to? Is it the one person in the group text who gets put down all the time that deserves for you to encourage them today? Is it the one person that people are always are making fun of in the group because it's an easy target that needs for you to build them up today? Instead of standing with the people who are the bullies, why don't you stand up for the one who's the victim and start being the real friend that God's called you to be? Use your words. Use your speech to encourage those around you. You ought to be on the lookout for the people around you who need your godly speech in their life right now. Fourth one is this. Godly speech, I gotta go quick. Godly speech is also a blessing to people, man. This is so good. When you speak with... Man, goodness, purity, integrity, kindness, 
sincerity, when you live like that, when you talk to people like that, what you are doing is you are extending the same grace, the same kindness that has been extended to you. I'll show you this from the verse. I'll show it to you real quick. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And what this verse is saying, the gospel that's been shared with you, the good news of grace that's been given to you is what you are expressing to people when you decide to use your words in a godly, wholesome, building up, timely fashion. You are ministering to people. You are preaching the gospel. If I were to just, I'll take Malachi. Malachi, you're at Arlington, right? If Malachi were to just walk down the hallways and listen to the conversations of people in his classrooms and in his deal, just like a lot of y'all experience every day, he's going to hear people who are tearing people down, who are cursing, who are bullying, man, who are just punks, man. Just walking, I'm not mad at them. They're just, they're using their words to tear people down. If Malachi doesn't have godly speech, who else in his school is going to have it? Who else is going to show grace to the people in their school if Malachi doesn't have the courage to be the one to be the godly guy in the middle of the mix? Speaking with wholesome speech, building people up as is fitting for the time, giving and extending grace to the people around him. If it's not him, who else? If it's not you, who else? Who else is going to extend this grace that we talk about from Scripture? One big motivation is that you might be able to share the gospel with people through the way that you live is one thing. But the second thing is also, which is my title, my sermon tonight, is that you would also bless the Lord, that you would not grieve the Holy Spirit because of your unwholesome speech, your unpure speech. The reason you ought to have godly speech is because when you choose not to, you are hurting the heart of God. When it says in Ephesians 4.30, I'm going to go to 4.30 real quick. When it says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, what he's saying is do not break the heart of God by your ungodly speech. Do not give the enemy a foothold, is what Jay was talking about recently. Do not give the enemy a foothold for anything in your life because here's the deal. You, if you compromise in godly speech, you are compromising and growing with the Lord. That's exactly right. If you cannot tame the tongue, you are literally tying a bunch of dead weights to your back that you can never move forward in your walk with the Lord because you're grieving the Holy Spirit all the time with the words that are coming out of your mouth. You want the main reason for godly speech? It's so that you would honor and bless the Lord by the words that come out of your mouth that you might continue to grow and walk and enjoy the Lord that he's designed for you. That's the calling, guys. I'm calling you to godly speech. When you choose, and this is your choice, when you choose to not allow corrupted talk, spoiled, filthy, ruined talk to come out of your mouth, but you choose wholesome talk, talk that is building up with the people around you, encouraging people around you, that is timely and fitting for the people around you. When you do that, you are preaching the gospel to people and you are living the gospel towards the Lord. That 
is where you're going when you choose godly speech. Does that make sense? Y'all with me there? All right. Second thing is this. Choose to be a godly friend. Choose to be a godly friend. There are students who maybe know all of the Bible answers, who come from maybe a great home, who maybe are Bellevue babies, who wear the wool of the sheep on Sunday and Wednesdays. But you have the teeth of a wolf for the rest of the week. There are students who are probably know the Bible answers, who grew up in this church, who might be Belby babies or might come from a great home. And on Sunday and Wednesday, you wear the wool of the sheep, but you have the teeth of a wolf for the rest of the week. Does this sound like someone you know? Or does this sound like maybe even yourself? Boys that are talking about girls' bodies in a sexualized way. Or you shame people because they don't look like the girls that you've been looking at for hours on your phone. When friends in your group chat go through a bad breakup, you exile that person from the friend group. So now they have to walk through their middle school days in isolation from the people that were their best friends a few months ago. Boys are using their words to manipulate their sisters in Christ to do things that are ungodly, and you want people to think you're a man, but you're really acting like a boy. Maybe you're a girl, and you feel just as guilty because you will gossip about the very people you're sitting on the same row with tonight at the slumber party this weekend. You bust up friend groups over the most petty little disagreements and faults. You call people names and you hold grudges. You allow a few little mistakes to ruin friendships you've had for your entire life. You even keep a blackmail folder so that you can be reminded of all the mistakes that other people made, whether it be of screenshots, pictures, group texts, things like that, that you can always remind them and use over people whenever they've made their mistakes to remind them of their past faults. You'll eliminate people from your group just so that you'll have the freedom to isolate and eliminate them from their community here in middle school. You've hurt people, and I'm telling you, it's time to choose to be a godly friend. I didn't want to say those things, but it's it's true. And I'm tired of pretending like it's not. Some of y'all have seen a ninth grade class come through, an eighth grade class last year come through our ministry. And they're dealing with so much junk because they couldn't get this right. And I don't want it for you guys. I want you to be better. I want you to be real, man. I want you to be a real friend, a godly friend.
I want to show you how to be a godly friend. You can choose today. Ephesians 4.31 says, Godly friends, and pull this up, Godly friends, we got our first one, 431. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Godly friends are kind. Godly friends are kind. I'll ask you the question. You are wearing a WWJD bracelet tonight. We gave you that. Because I want you to be reminded every time you think about what it looks like to be a godly friend and your godly speech and how you talk to people and love people, here's what I want you to be reminded of. What would Jesus do in this situation? How was Jesus kind? I'll tell you. He lived amongst the most rejected people in the community, the ones who were the outcasts, and he made them the in-crew, man. He had dinner with people all the time, people that would normally never be able to hang out with the person of his status or his group, but he hung out with them all the time. He spoke truth. He met people's needs. He ministered to people. He forgave people. He had godly speech. He loved and prayed for his friends, and he even loved and prayed for his enemies. He didn't punch back when he took punches from the background. He kept being faithful with what was right in front of him. He was kind, man. Godly friends are also sensitive. It says that he was tender-hearted. How was Jesus tender-hearted? Jesus had showed such compassion. I think about whenever Lazarus had passed away, he wept with him. He carried the burdens of those around him. When Peter had rejected Jesus after the rooster crowed three times on the night that he was crucified, when Peter rejected him, Jesus went and sought him out. He was compassionate toward the people around him. When the adulterous woman came in and she had made so many mistakes, man, she didn't deserve to be forgiven. She stood, he, Jesus came and stood behind, beside her and advocated for the one who was wrong. Why? Because he was tenderhearted and showed compassion. I'm going to talk to the boys real quick right here. Look at me. It's about time the men start showing compassion to people. Quit trying to be the muscle man that you see. I'm tired of people like Andrew Tate influencing this generation because listen to me, listen to me. He's wrong. He's wrong. You need compassion. You need a tender heart. People who are polite. People who are gentlemen. People who stand up for the wrong. I'm looking for you guys. Be a man of compassion. Be a man of a tender heart who is kind to people. And for the girls too. Man, you can front with people all day long in front of the right people when you're just with your friends. Where's the compassion then? 
When do you start loving on the people that have even wronged you? When do you start being nice to people, girls? God has called you, if you want to be a godly friend, to be kind and to be compassionate. A godly friend also is forgiving. This is a big one, y'all. I'm not going to lie. This is a big one. Godly friends are forgiving. R.T. Kendall has the best definition of forgiveness in my mind. He says, the ultimate proof of total forgiveness takes place when we sincerely ask the Father to let those who have hurt us off the hook, even if they have hurt not only us, but those who are close to us. What that means, if one of you in this room has been hurt by someone else, forgiveness is to say, I want to let them off the hook for where they've wronged me and they hurt me. R.T. Kendall goes a step further and says, it's not just letting them off the hook. It's actually praying God would bless them. Isn't that what Jesus did? He loved and prayed for his enemies. When he was on the cross being beaten, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's asking for God to have grace towards them. He's praying for them. And so I tell you that today, students, Forgiveness is letting people off the hook, taking them off of the, taking them out of the trap that you've laid, letting them off the hook, letting them go in peace. And on top of that, praying God would even bless them. That's hard, y'all. That's hard. Some of y'all got some real wounds, some real hurts. And when you think about forgiveness, you only can think about how can I let them get away with this? I remember the pain I felt. I remember what they said to me, the damage they've done. I remember these things. How can I let them go free? Forgiveness is letting them go free and praying God would bless and take care of all that situation. That's what God is calling you to do as a godly friend. And it's exactly what he modeled for us in his life as well. How can I, if you were to take all my mistakes in my life, all of them, and to put them, each one represented by a penny on the stage, the stage would be full of all my mistakes. Does that make sense? You're tracking me so far? And God literally said, in all of this, he said, you are forgiven. The stage is wiped clean. There's not a single penny on the slate. How can I walk out of here and then all of a sudden, Camden, says something that's honestly really mean and hateful to me. Penny in my pocket. Why am I going to walk around with that for the rest of my days when I've been forgiven my full debt? I ought to take that penny out, toss in the trash, and say, you are forgiven, you're off the hook, may God bless you. Because that's how Jesus has acted toward all of us. Does that make sense? I don't know what Trent was going through in middle school that made him want to beef with me, but typically, you know what happens? The people who are using their words inappropriately are normally insecure about their own self. They're normally struggling with something, maybe in their home or their family or their friends, or they're really prideful. That's just the truth of the matter. I pray God would help him get through that stuff too. But for me, I'm going to keep being faithful. And when 
the arrows come flying, I'm, I'm going to trust in the Lord because he sees me and he fights my battles. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm 30 years old. People have been saying things, doing things that are mean and hateful to me my entire life. Just like he has for Jake and for Reese and for Jason and for Quentin and for every one of them in this room, people are going to be around you your whole life. They're going to say and do things that are mean and hateful. And I just want you to know right now, I want you to hear me right now. You've got to learn how to forgive them and to keep going. You've got to learn how to forgive them and keep going. Because you know what the Lord's going to see? He's going to see you who's been faithful and honoring and trusting him even on the bad days just as much as the good days. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to see how God has been so faithful in all that process. Even when you were down bad and you were hurting about this, man, the Lord was good to you and walk you through it. You just got to keep forgiving people and being faithful and kind and compassionate in the process. When you do that, you are preaching the good news of the gospel to the people around you. You know what I found out? The one who may be the godly friend who's upright walks with the Lord. In middle school, they may not be the most, like, most well-known or most leading or the most respected person in the group. Maybe not. But as you get older, you know what happens? The one who learned to be a godly friend is going to find so many friends around them as they get older because they're going to see someone who is real, genuine, caring, compassionate, and kind. I promise you. I promise you. If you can be faithful to it today, you're going to look up one day, and you're going to see how the Lord has blessed and maneuvered in the middle of it. You're going to look back and say, praise God. Look at all the blessings God has placed in my life just because I was honoring and true to follow the commands that God put in front of me. Just go read Proverbs. It has promises after promise. If you will just do this, then this will happen. If you'll do this, then this will happen. And so I'm telling you today, you want the blessing the Lord has for you today's ahead? Be a godly friend who is caring, who is kind, who is compassionate, who is forgiving, and you will see how the Lord will bless you down the road. Does that make sense? I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to convince you of that any more than just read scripture and believe the truth and see the people around you. Just Go talk to people who are four or five years ahead of you and ask them ones that really are leaders, that really are respected by their peers and ask them if they were a godly friend. Find out. Seriously. Look and see. You'll see how God worked in their life because they were faithful today. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Last thing I got is this. I told you godly friends are an example of the gospel. Here's the reality. You did not deserve any forgiveness from the Lord at all. Yet he freely and he abundantly has lavished forgiveness all over your life. Your peers, your friends, they don't deserve any forgiveness from you as well. Yet you have been commanded by God to offer forgiveness freely and abundantly all over their life. When you choose to be a godly friend who is kind, compassionate, forgiving, then you will walk down a blessed path in middle school and high school that will ultimately give you blessings upon blessings because you chose to walk in the right way. It's up to you students to choose. Are you going to have godly speech? Are you going to be a godly friend? 